We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Dynasty. Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. I, as always, and I'm rolling with it here, Dan, I'm rolling with it, am your host, Eric Bertzloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trade, uh, joined by my co-hosts, Nathan and Dan. Sup, guys? You can say as always because it's been two consecutive now and that's actually impressive, even though the it, I think we can count it one and a half because last episode you actually died halfway through the show, which was unfortunate, but I'm glad to see you made it back. Yeah, I did almost die, but also I introduced Nathan first. Please stop. Uh... The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Uh, ruining Nathan's fire. Nathan, what did you, uh, <laughs> how, was, how was your week? You know, it, it ended with uh, me being sick an entire weekend, but you know, we... We made it through. Uh, work starts tomorrow, and I'm healthy for it, so that's good. That sounds terrible. I can relate. I can relate, but I'm done. Uh, f- you know, flu got nothing on me. I'm feeling good. Uh, Dan, I heard a rumor that you were in, like, a, a crazy scene at your golf clubhouse with beers flying everywhere when uh, Case Keenum threw to Diggs for a touchdown with no time <laughs> left. Yeah, so for everyone that doesn't know, uh, I am from Minnesota, and uh, I was at work at the time. Um, and yes, golf courses are open in the winter time in Minnesota. Only yeah, the ones what that temperature have. is it there? I feel like I picture uh, not like the warm. Arctic. Not warm. It's like negative fifteen outside. Um, but we have golf simulators inside. So, anyways, so really, it's just an in- excuse to drink, is what you're saying? 
basically yeah <laughs> um so i was in my office and i had the tv going or the the game on the tv outside of my office that i was just kind of peeking at and i also had it streaming on my computer because the local guy is an insane person i'm sure probably most people have listened to the pa call a few times um so i i heard it all of a sudden happen and i run out i watch the replay on the tv i sprint down the hall towards the bar and people are throwing beers and glasses are shattering and people are just screaming it's the loudest the place has ever been and there's like high-fiving everybody and then i realize i'm still at work and have to go back <laughs> there's like grown men weeping uh that's it was crazy. I, no, people were legit crying. It, like that's that's Minnesota though, because you had the '98 Gary Anderson kick, you had the Blair Walsh, you had the 2009, you know, Bounty Gate garbage. Um, it's just this is it. Finally got it. They've got a bounce, um, and now they're probably going to lose to the Eagles. But it is what it is. Hey, I believe you said the uh, the Falcons had a bye week, if I recall correctly, from Twitter there. Yeah, I also forgot that they still had Steve Sarkeesian. So <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Let's introduce the guest. Uh, we are very pleased to announce we have Carl Safchik. What's up, Carl? Hey, glad glad that all y'all are feeling better. I'm part of that was sick crew, but now better. Yeah, um, young strapping men who are able to beat illness. Yeah, I, I used to have I used to have an immune system like a like a tank, but uh, like ox. Yeah, strong like bull. Um, exactly. But, but no, I, I was sick for like two weeks. But yeah, now I'm up and kicking again. Thank you for having me on, guys. Heck yeah, man. Well, th- yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure. So, Carl, you do. You actually, I, think, I believe you are one of the founders slash run the Dynasty Dynasty One platform, DynastyOneFantasy.com. Uh, do you want to talk for a sec about that at the top of the show here? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, we actually took a little bit of a hiatus. We are working to get... Um, the website up and running. We've always, we've had a website, but it's been kind of like, you know, a little dumpy one, not, not something as nice as like Rotoviz or DLF, but we want to get better on that end because we have a lot of great ideas, a lot of great writers, a lot of great content to put out. So uh, we are going to be firing it back up uh, shortly after the Super Bowl. So we're really excited about that. Everybody's really excited to get back at the keyboards and behind the microphones and all that. So, uh, Cool, yeah, man. Dynasty One. Yeah, started that right after uh, right after leaving DLF, which uh, I, I think you guys might be familiar with that website. I think we've all come from that place, or some of us still write for them, I believe. Occasionally. Uh, occasionally. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Uh, on that note, I'll go ahead and tell the listeners you can get a listeners only thirty percent discount uh, to RotoViz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also helps support this pod. Uh, so you can contact us via email. That's rotoviz at gmail.com. Or, sorry, rotovizradio at gmail.com. And on Twitter, you can slide into those DMs, as I always say, at rotovizradio. Uh, it's it's really awesome. So make sure you go listen. You can you can listen to individual shows or do the full spectrum of shows um, on the radio on the radio side of it. So it, it's pretty great. Um, okay, well, today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, Dynasty Surprises and Breakouts. Uh, as Nathan's written here, buy high, hold, sell high. Uh, basically becomes the question for these guys. And then we are going to uh, continue with our game side. Hopefully I can make it to the game today. I have a strong feeling it's going to happen today Um, where we are going to play the dynasty dating game. Uh, That's where Carl becomes an eligible bachelor here. We, uh, we throw the guest into the fire and then make them pick uh, between three different bachelors uh, based off of anonymous facts about those bachelors. Spoiler alert. The bachelors are football players. 
So Carl gets to pick potentially one turd out of the group because there's always one. Normally, normally Nathan. Just <laughs> <laughs> is, is, wait, is Nathan in the pool? I said football players. This is actually oh, I have I'm seen sorry. Nathan just... does football. I heard turd and just kind of went with it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into the show. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, and kick to our for, our first Dynasty surprise. I know Dan is as, as surprised as anybody with this person since he spent the preseason kind of bashing him, calling him hashtag bad, uh, not good at football. And that's Carson Wentz. He was the QB3 in point, points per game when he was there. Obviously had a bit of a bad beat at the end of the season here. Uh, but overall, um, ended up actually uh, – finishing pretty terrifically and, and the future is bright. So I'll kick to Carl first, I guess, Carl, tell us um, where are you at on Carson Wentz? Are you trying to buy high hold sell? And then also your valuation of where he's at. Yeah. Just as a player, I really like the guy. I mean, he has a lot of improvisation to his game, which I like. He's big and strong, has a big arm. All those things are great qualities. As far as a fantasy asset, I think he's an easy sell at this point. And I would probably say that about most QB. Like, I mean, he's, he's the QB one in DLF ADP. And I would probably say that about most quarterbacks at, at that point. And, you know, we could look at this to through two different lenses, a uh, super flex league where, you know, I would love to have Carson Wentz, but I would still trade him straight up for a few different quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson being one, uh, probably Aaron Rodgers. um, there's another. There's a few more that I would consider above. Like, what about right. what about like a luck, Carl? Out of curiosity. Yeah, that's so tough, man. That's so tough. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to put you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, luck, luck's a player that obviously has a ton of upside. It's just it's so tough to say after missing close to two years, like two calendar years. Uh, it will be once we, you know, close to it once we. Uh, start up training camp and get into the season next year that um, that he'll be just fine after that. So probably not luck. I would, I would consider Wentz a little bit safer, but I mean, you could say the upside of Deshaun Watson, you could maybe throw him in that mix. Sure. Uh, but uh, for those reasons, he'd be a sell for me, especially in a one QB league where I just think QBs just get taken too highly anyway. So I could sell him either for another QB or really any other player or in a super flex league, I could see myself trading him for maybe an OBJ if you can. Uh, wow, that, I, that seems that seems like a high price tag. But it's, I mean, I guess if he's the QB one, that's... yeah. If, if you're thinking he's the QB one, then you've seen in years past um, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, uh, Cam Newton when he was coming off his good season, being considered you know one of the top assets in a super flex league. So if you could pull that off, that's something that that I would consider for sure. Okay, well, and uh, and Dan, I guess I would just kick over to you because I'll make you kind of bite the bullet. I know you've already become an apologist at this point, um, eating the eating the full crow and coming out the other side. So, what is the valuation on Wentz, and what are you doing this off season with him? Are you following Carl into the kind of like uh, trying to sell him? Because I assume the hype's going to start to build uh, for him even even louder than it already has. I don't know that it can get much louder, though. I mean, if he's already QB1, there's not really much much further he can go outside of you know creating his own tier, which I don't see happening. Um, but to go back to what Carl was saying, um, you know, with the, like the OBJ price tag, that, that type of valuation can hold especially true if you have an Eagles fan in your league. Um, those guys are crazy for Carson. And, and you know, with, with good reason. He, he was incredible this year up until the injury, obviously. Um, so... 
prior to it, I was kind of sliding him up, had him in that five to seven range. And then actually I moved him up higher after he got hurt because I saw how atrocious that offense was. Not that I wasn't expecting it to be good with Nick Foles, but how much worse it was. And you look at all the numbers, like it was a, he, his offense was 10 points better per game and the yardage was an insane amount higher and things like that. He brings a lot to that team. So uh, I think he's absolutely in the top five. Um, I'm not ready to call him one. I'd probably realistically have him at three if I just had to do it, which is high considering how I felt about him previously. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a sell for me. Um, and definitely in one QB, if, if my team isn't great at quarterback in, you know, like a super flex or two QB and he's just kind of my guy, I may hold or try to sell him to someone for two quarterbacks, um, which is kind of a move I've, I've taken to over the years in super flex and two QB leagues. Nathan thoughts. I think the move with Wentz in one QB, I don't think I think he's a hold. I think he's a guy that's not going to go for more than like the one eleven, one twelve. And in that scenario, I could you know take the one eleven. I could take Wentz. It really wouldn't be you know too too happy about either side if I was selling. But in Superflex, I it's definitely the type of move where I want to sell Wentz for like golf in a piece or Wentz for Dak Prescott in a piece. That's the move I'm trying to make right now. Just as the the hype of him being the QB one. If I can go down to like the QB six or seven in Superflex and pick up, you know, a late first type asset, late first round rookie rookie pick type asset, that's the move I'd be trying to make. Yeah, I like I like that move a lot, Nathan. And I think that that's in a, in a one QB league, this is the kind of move where just downgrading your quarterback doesn't hurt you that much, especially if it puts a, put a puts a starter in a place that you didn't have one before. Um, all right, let's let's move on to another player, and that's Alex Smith. Another player that was a real surprise, uh, free agent this offseason, or at least we're anticipating won't be um, in a Chiefs uniform going into 2018. Um, so he finishes a QB four in points per game. Uh, but what is, I mean, what is the outlook for Alex Smith? I know we talked about kind of him being a breakout star early in the season um, and, and offering, you know, basically to go buy him. Are we still on that train of go buy Alex Smith because people are going to be too low on him coming out of, out of, uh, not Philly, out of, the, out of, uh, I can't remember. Kansas City, that's where the Chiefs play. Perfect. All right, Dan, you saved me, so go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it's Alex Smith is a weird spot. You know, I, realistically, you know, if you think off off the top of your head, you say he's probably a sell high, but I, he's just not. He hasn't gathered any value over the time. You know, in a in a regular you know redraft league, you could probably have sold him mid season for a lot, but. In Dynasty, he just doesn't carry that big of a price tag. So I think the move with Alex is just to hold because if he can keep, you know, obviously he's not going to stay on on the tra- trajectory he was going through in, in 2017 because obviously that was his biggest and best year. So I still think he's a great QB2 to have on your, le- on your team. And you're not going to get the, what was he, QB4 in points yeah, per game correct. this year, QB5, something like that. Um, you're never going to get that type of value. And you might not even get QB2 value for him just because of the uncertainty. We don't well, know. What is he, worth, what is he worth more specifically, Dan, in your eyes, coming in um, next season? You know, one one QB, something in the third probably, and two QB, it's got to be a, a mid to late one realistically because he's still a starting quarterback. He's been healthy. Um, he's got a lot of things going for him other than the – 
where he'll be playing. So if he's back in Kansas City, I think he's worth a lot more. If he moves on, it could go either direction. If he goes somewhere terrible, it, it, it could really plummet his value, and then you might get stuck holding him. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll just pivot to Carl here and ask ask your thoughts on Smith and what what um what kind of you're doing with him if you have him in leagues. Yeah, either either a hold or a buy for me. Um, probably a hold in one QB leagues. Uh, I don't know that I'd be looking to buy him in one QB leagues because I probably have a better entrenched starter. Somebody like a Philip Rivers or a Kirk Cousins are kind of the type of quarterbacks that I usually go after in one QB leagues. Um, but in a super flex league, you know, if if I need a, another starter, I think he's a perfect buy. Um, almost no matter where he goes, because he's going to be a starter. And, you know, sometimes players just get better, even if it's late in their careers or even when we saw less of a player beforehand. The most recent sample size we have of Alex Smith is he's able to spread the ball around. He's able to throw downfield, which is something that we haven't seen from him in the past. And I've always said that I've always said that Alex Smith was capable of throwing downfield, that whether or not he chose not to or whether the scheme told him not to. Um, but we have seen that he is capable. So what we have seen most recently from this player is that he's a good quarterback. And, you know, worst case scenario, I think he goes to Cleveland. And I think that that is a very possible scenario. He'll still have but, Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman and David and Joku to throw to, but I don't know that I really trust Hugh Jackson there. Best but I mean, case- still the, the Cleveland Cleveland's proven productive, even for Deshaun Kaiser, while he's looked horrible, sure. they, still proven productive as far from a fantasy asset goes. Sure. Well, you know, when you lose games, uh, the first player to get benched is going to be the quarterback. So that that's kind of my main concern uh, from going to Cleveland, not really whether he will score fantasy points or not. We are talking dynasty. So, you know, I would rather see him go somewhere where he can maintain success, not only in the box scores, but also on the win loss category, because being 33 going on 34, um, you know, that's kind of in that in that age of like when Kurt Warner was playing for the Giants and got benched for Eli Manning, even though he still had a lot in the tank, you know, you, you just go away from those, those older guys when you're not winning. So I'd rather see him go somewhere like Washington or like New York Giants, for instance, throwing yeah. OBJ and, and, and Sterling Shepard. There's a lot of good landing spots for him and not a lot of bad landing spots for him. He could even end up, you know, in Denver, for instance. So um, he's somebody that I would, I would say I'm buying in, um, in two QB leagues and, and really not going after or selling in one QB leagues. Yeah. I'll wrap up the Alex Smith talk with, I think that it's weird to say because it's a guy that's been like so consistent over the course of his at least chief's career. I think he's ha- have a, has a volatile value when changing teams because Twitter could go either way or, or you know, the, the market value could go either way with, when he lands somewhere, I think that there's going to be an overreaction, whether it be he goes somewhere good, like the Giants where they have OBJ and Sterling Shepard in place, Twitter would go bananas and be worth, you know, like a mid-first and super flex. Or if he goes somewhere like Cleveland, which is perceived as a lesser scenario, then he might get undervalued. So I think that if you believe in him, but he could certainly be cheaper if he goes to a lesser scenario. Okay, I, I generally agree. I think with that with that take. So let's let's move on to our next player, and that is uh, Chris Thompson, who is uh, a player who seemed to break himself out this year, and, and potentially is the most valuable player on the Skins roster. Carl, I'll uh, I'll throw to you, and you give me a little head nod. Yeah, value wise, he's probably right there. Yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, right there. Uh, Doxon has been 
mostly a disappointment. He's shown flashes. Uh, you don't know if Kirk will be back. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan has been up and down, I guess. Um, Jamison Crowder regressed a little bit this year. Jordan Reed can't seem to stay healthy. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to pivot a little bit from Chris Thompson right. and, and say that I think Chris Thompson is a perfect example of, like, if you're going zero RB, um, Thompson was a, a big target of mine th- this past year, um, that we need to find, like, the next Chris Thompson, and that could be Marlon Mack, although I've seen him kind of high on some people's uh, running back rankings. Uh, you, you have Tariq Cohen, which I think is a perfect – I like Tariq Cohen a lot this offseason. Such a, such a perfect buy right now um, with what's going on with that offense and that coaching staff. Um, but Tom, I think Thompson was so obviously – I mean, you have Fat Rob Kelly who, you know – even, even if he succeeded to a level that he were to succeed um, would would be considered successful for him. You were still going to have Chris Thompson in on third downs. And Pete Ryan was only ever going to take uh, Rob Kelly's job. He was never really going to take Chris Thompson's job. Um, and, and people thought that Pete Ryan might get some goal line carries. You, you want to get that third down back with upside if you're going zero RB or even if you're not going zero RB. And – there's going to be – so for him specifically, I think he's a hold. I don't know that I'm selling him right now. I don't think that you're getting what you could have gotten midseason. Um, and and I'm not buying because we see what the upside – I think he's appropriately priced. But I really think, like, we need to do a better job as a fantasy industry of, like, ev- like seeing what these zero RB candidates are going to be. I mean, you have even Buck Allen was a top 24 uh, running back this year. And, you know, we saw what Danny Woodhead did a few years ago, finishing as I think the RB. Not this year. No, of course not. But these pass catching backs, if you're playing in PPR, which most people are, if you could get a guy that's going to have like a permanent third down role and also has some upside to play on first and second down, that's that's really, I think, where you can get the biggest advantage on your opponents in fantasy. I really do. The, these identifying those zero RB uh, targets, and he was one for me last year. And I, 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 a lot of you guys play in capitalist pigs with me. I got Chris Thompson for essentially free this off season, and then flipped him. The, <laughs> luckily for me, I mean this this doesn't make me an expert by any means, but I, I flipped him the week before he got injured. Um, because I didn't think that that even even if he weren't to get injured, I don't think that scoring pace was sustainable. So, I mean, I think that's my favorite part of Dynasty is identifying those zero RB targets. Some of them don't hit, some of them do. When guys like Chris Thompson blossom into like a top 10, top five every week kind of guy, flip them for value. Yeah, so I guess that answers the question of because in this in this particular application of Chris Thompson, the question is would would you sell high? And I, and it sounds like you're on the get off the boat if you still have Chris Thompson. No, no, I, he's a no, he's a hold for me now. He was a get he was a get off the boat before he got injured, and gotcha. not just not just because not just because I was predicting injury, but I just wasn't predicting that he was able to sustain the level of, of success that he did for that six, seven game stretch. Okay. Why don't we pivot over to Nathan here and see 
I mean, I guess, are you on board with, with hold now? Um, sell if you were able to do so a while back? Yeah, I, we, we've talked about it so many times with the satellite type bags, the guys that are getting most of their production through the receiving game. And I don't think that it's really sustainable long term because oftentimes teams bring in that running option that they're more comfortable with getting those po- getting those carries. So I, I think that Thompson's a solid you know guy to have like the 16th, 17th best player on your roster. I don't think he's a guy that you're going to be investing like a top 100 or top 120 startup pick on, which is where he might end up going because of how, how good he looked this year. But I definitely, uh, you know, slow down that that train of, you know, him being a top, a top pick right now. It'll slow down. It'll slow down the value for sure. But I, I don't I don't think that him being inside the top, let's say, 120 is is all that outrageous. I mean, we, we saw him produce uh, 2015 was his first kind of year of production. He saw something like 50 targets, didn't have a ton of yards, uh, but looked good doing it. And he's missed nine games, I think, over, you know, kind of the years he's actually played. And this year he was on pace for almost 200 touches. And I think that by itself is sustainable. Uh, maybe the touchdowns won't be there. And I don't know that he had a lot of touchdowns this year, but, you he know, he, 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 had, he, he had. A, yeah, he had a pretty unsustainable touchdown rate. Okay, so the touchdown rate, we can maybe just toss out the window. But we're looking at something around 90 targets, uh, maybe 110 to 120 carries. And I think that's really good for a lower end RB2 type just because of the PPR upside. I'd much rather have 90 targets than 150 carries. You know, it's there's that trade-off that you kind of have to look for. In that once you get later on into those rounds and you're looking for guys that you can backfill and maybe put in your flex spots or maybe, um, you know, bi-week fill-ins even. And, and now we're looking probably more in that 150 range rather than in the 120, maybe even earlier than that. But I think Chris Thompson is definitely a hold. And because of the injury, I think he might even be a buy at this point in time just because no one's really talking about him. And no one really knows what's going to go on in Washington, whether they're going to commit to Pirine, whether they think uh, Rob Kelly can can keep going, or maybe it's still all three again. And Thompson still gets that third down work where he's most valuable. So I'm definitely holding, and I'll probably throw out a few questions to to the Thompson owners after I sold all my shares, just like Carl did uh, during the season, just because the touchdown rate looked crazy. Um, and it was a good time to get out. And like Carl and Capitalist Biggs, I got good value for him. All right. Well, let's. I, I feel like that's a good talk on Thompson, and let, maybe let's pivot the same conversation because this is another satellite back and kind of a guy that um, that probably falls in a very similar boat, or at least does to me. Um, and maybe one of those guys that didn't break out this year, but could potentially next year. Um, and that is Duke Johnson. Uh, he was the RB sixteen in points per game this uh, this past season. Um, and kind of falls into that same role as Chris Thompson. So I guess I'll just throw over to Nathan here first and, and get your thoughts. I mean, do you think this is a guy who could prove to be as productive given a, a certain set of circumstances? See, I think Duke is slightly different from Thompson in the fact that, A, he was you know a high draft pick in his draft last another few years ago now. But also with Duke Johnson, I don't think the market is really corrected for the season he had. It was one of those things that, that you look on the, you know, the scoring page of who was a top 24 running back. Like, Wait, hold on. Duke Johnson was a top 24 running back. And I feel like if you didn't have Duke Johnson on your teams and you weren't starting him every week or every other week, then you don't really know the points he was putting up. So yeah, cause, I mean, I you think, didn't get beat by Duke Johnson. If you played him, he just was productive. And he was, you know, he, he's 
the perfect zero RB target where he's a guy that's good, just going to put up enough points for you not to lose your matchup in that RB slot. I think that the the one thing to worry about entering uh, the offseason, of course, is the, the dreaded, oh, will the Browns actually draft Saquon Barkley? And if that d- happens, then that kind of, you know, nosedives Duke Johnson's value for at least the short term. So, I mean, there's that concern in Cleveland because they're that dumb to pick a running back at four overall. But I do like Duke Johnson at his current price. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that as well. I think Duke's a guy I've always been a fan of. Um, and, you know, like like Thompson, he he ended up with uh, 93 targets this year, and that's just about what uh, Chris Thompson was on pace for in his 10 games, um, and almost 700 yards on 74 catches. So that that type of output is, I believe, sustainable just because that's how they're going to use him. Even if they go, I, I don't think they're going to go and draft the running back, but if Barkley's there at four, which he will be, it probably just sitting in those shoes, knowing how it's like, oh my god, we have to take this guy. Think about how the how many tickets will sell and how bad our defense will still be. Um, it, it, like, like sit, thinking about sitting in that room and and listening to those guys talk, you almost have to just put Barkley on the Browns now. Um, the only other move would be to trade back, and maybe he's still there at like six or seven. Um, I still taking running back that high is just asinine, but um, Duke, I, I think they'll just kind of keep committing to him as the slot type guy because he can run those routes and he can play that role. Yes. He's small, but man, he, he doesn't look small on the football field. He, he plays pretty big His numbers speak for himself. Like you said, Eric, I mean, it, if you weren't starting him every week, you had no idea what he was, or maybe Nathan said that, but, um, and he's not winning you. I'll weeks. take credit for that. That's fine. Okay. Take, take credit. He's not winning yeah, you weeks, fine. but he's he's absolutely keeping you in. Uh, maybe if somebody else was low, and oh, look, we still have 14 points from Duke Johnson. He didn't have 24, but he had 14, and we'll take those every day of the week. Yeah, he, he just didn't blow you out. He didn't levy right. on value in any given week. And and honestly, if you played against him, which I did in, in pretty much every league at some point, is he just never he, – he didn't make – he didn't feel bad to play against, but he was productive. Um all right, uh, Carl, thoughts on Duke, or do you want to move on? No, I, I, I do want to mention Duke. I want to ask you guys, because Nathan, I, I sort of kind of take exception to something that Nathan said, that the Browns are going to make the dumb decision. I want to ask all three of you, it, maybe not exactly a fantasy question, but would you trust John Dorsey or Sashi Brown more to not mess up that pick? <laughs> uh, is there, is there another answer? This is a Rotoviz podcast, so it has to be. This is a Rotoviz podcast, which is the official sponsor of Sashi Brown. <laughs> I am Team Sashi. Yeah. I also would have answered Sashi, even without the Rotoviz connection. But I agree with him. That's 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 good branding right there, Carl. Yeah. Even though I, Dorsey, even though Dorsey's last draft with KC or the two drafts ago, whenever it was, he did pretty well. I'll give him the credit for that one. But historically, his drafts have been hot garbage. Um and I do not trust him in that room. And Sashi's been pretty good, and the coaching staff right. couldn't get couldn't get anything out of some pretty damn good draft picks. Uh, but to Duke Johnson, especially, I, I actually think he's a buy. He was the running back eleven on the season. I know you know he benefited a little bit uh, by playing in every game, but he was the running back eleven. He's being valued as the RB twenty one in DLF ADP right now, even though. Um, he's still young. He's still productive. Even if they do draft Saquon Barkley, you know, you're not going to give any running back hundred percent of the touches. I think that that'll be obviously 
way more of an indictment on Isaiah Crowell. But um, I, I do also, like you guys, hope that they don't go the route of drafting a running back in the top five. We've saw that not be a model of success in the past. Um, Duke Johnson <laughs> specifically, man, he's like a he's like a probably a, a a Chris Thompson with a higher ceiling in that he has that draft pedigree. He did it in college. Um, I 100% think he's a buy right now. And, you, you know, well, one thing is, uh, along with Chris what Thompson, the, I mean, sorry, we, go ahead. We, we always like to, I, I like to, I got the phrase from Bob Harris, be injury, injury agnostic and not predict injuries by any means. But um, he did play in all 16 games, which we, we can't look at that as a bad thing. Yeah, and speaking of playing all 16, uh, he obviously did it in 2017, but he, he hasn't missed a game yet in his career. All three seasons, he's played all 16 games. There's something to be said for that, especially with a guy his size, and that was always always kind of like the shy away, oh, he's not big enough to make it, he's not going to be able to do it. I mean, you, you can't really say that <laughs> at this point. He's he's done it, and he's doing it playing slot receiver, which he's going to get way more banged up. Um, you know, they're not going to smash him in between the tackles. They know that's not where he's going to work best. Just like someone like Christian McCaffrey, you can't smash him between the tackles and expect that it's going to work. Um, it's it's not in the cards for him. And I think they bring in somebody other than Isaiah Crowell to take that two-down work and to smash in between the tackles. Um, but like I said before, I, th- I just think he's he works so well as a slot-type receiver and catching balls out of the backfield that they really can't move on from him in that role. And, and let's not forget that a few years ago in rookie drafts, uh, there was a lot of debate on which D. Dot Johnson to draft first. 100% true. And I think the consensus was Duke Johnson first, if I recall. I don't know I don't know if it would be consensus, but I think the ADP for him was actually higher. Fair enough. All right, well let's that's probably enough uh talking about a Brown here. Um uh, let's go ahead and move on and talk about some other teams uh players that aren't in the playoffs and that is uh the wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. Uh Golden Tate and Marvin Jones were both very productive. Uh, this season, uh, both clocking in at the wide receiver 14 and 15 in points per game, uh, both looking very, very good, not necessarily during the same games, but um, maybe they just alternated games, played leapfrog here, looked great. So um, what are we doing with these two going into the 2018 season? Yeah, I put these two guys on here. I don't think they're like a huge surprise. Like if you would have told me before the season that they were both top 24, I wouldn't be shocked, but they both were very productive assets throughout the whole entire season. And I think that both are currently being undervalued in the dynasty atmosphere because I, I think that both guys are who are being, you know, traded for like wire receiver 24, wire receiver 25 type prices rather than wire receiver 14, 15. So while they might not, might not be the youngest wire receivers, while they might not have the best quarterback in Matthew Stafford, they're both very productive and have, you know, the upside, the guy, the guys that can win you weeks as well as, you know, hold steady to not lose you weeks either. I think what's most impressive about it is that Marvin Jones put up that number, um, you know, wide receiver 15 with 107 targets. Um, and he, he was pretty high in just the overall points ranking as well, not just the points per game. So on 107 targets, he was super efficient. He did pretty much all you could ask. He caught like 65% of his targets, which is great. Um, and then Golden Tate had something like 120 targets. So, that's, I mean, that's kind of an ideal split. Obviously, me as a Marvin Jones owner and the other Marvin Jones owners out there would like to see him get closer to 120 targets. But if it keeps him healthy and it keeps him happy and it keeps him producing, I'm totally fine with 105 to 110 targets. 
Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna kick it out of bed here, Dan. No, never. I've been a Marvin guy since since forever. Um, and you go back and think about those Bengals that had Sanu, they had Marvin Jones, and obviously AJ Green. And now it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> what on earth was Marvin Lewis doing? Wait, we've been questioning that since the dawn of time. Getting well, extended is the answer to that. Yeah, um, I like Golden Tate, and and uh, I, I think both are buys. I mean. Nathan mentioned it. They're both, uh, I think they're both being underutilized by the dynasty community. Even if you consider age, Marvin Jones is 27 and somehow going after Golden Tate, which, you know, I'm not saying that you should prefer one or the other, but if you take age into it, um, Marvin Jones, I believe, is a couple years younger than Golden Tate. And um, I, th- I, I think we overrate age a lot in players that we know are good. We, we underrate it a lot in other instances, I believe. Um, but we do overrate it when um, we do have two players in this instance that we both already know are good. They finish as the wide receiver 11 and 12. I know you guys are looking at um, a per-week basis, obviously, but just in overall uh, wide receiver finishes, Marvin Jones, wide receiver 11, Golden Tate, wide receiver 12. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good thing to bring into to the fold here too, because then you're you're basically saying they're wide receiver ones. Yeah, I mean they they were yeah they were on the year on the year. Yeah, they were separated by uh, less than a point. And I think you can count on that as well because Matthew Stafford's not going anywhere. So if they keep these guys around, that tandem they're, they're just going to keep working off each other. Um, so I, I think, I mean, you really can't have these guys any lower than wide receiver low end wide receiver twos um but realistically they should probably be up a little bit higher even though wide receiver is getting so congested that it's tough to find space uh for what golden tate's what like 29 now and marvin jones is sliding into his prime or what we assume is the prime between 27 and 31 kind of in that range so it's tough to move guys down just because like you said carl age gets kind of drawn out of promotion most of the time uh, especially when it's guys that are playing their best ball right now. What is, and, and Nathan, I'll kick over to you and just ask on these two, because I think that the consensus thus far, maybe you disagree is that they're buys. What valuation are you putting? Are you going out trying to shop for these guys? Uh, Cause I mean, I would think a second round pick in some places gets you golden Tate with the way the community thinks right now. So valuation wise, what are you, what are you hoping to shop for them? I think that for the most part throughout these guys' careers in the last three, four, five years, they've been in that constant zone of worth less than a first, uh, worth more than a second as far as on the trade market. If you would have bought for that 112, 111 for Tate or Jones a few years ago, obviously that's paying dividends now. So, I mean, I'm still comfortable paying that 201 to 202 price for, for either of them. And depending on the situation, I may dip into that 110 range. Um, on board with with that, I think, uh, like Eric said, getting getting Golden Tate for two definitely. As we get closer to the rookie drafts and and those things start to to gain value, you could probably get them for even a little bit further into the second. You know, the two hundred fours, two hundred fives. Marvin Jones, I think, is going to be a little bit tougher to buy for something like that, just because he's more your prototypical one in an offense. And, you know, we see the touchdowns come in and we see him playing with Matthew Stafford. Even though Golden Tate's getting the majority of the, the target share, uh, we still love that touchdown upside with Marvin. So I think he's in that mid to late one and Golden Tate probably an early two. 
All right. Well, I, I feel like that's valid. And let's move on to another uh, very underrated wide receiver. Actually, the, the looking at him being the wide receiver 18 in uh, in ratings this year is actually a little bit surprising. I still am kind of in Robert Woods' denial. I don't know about you guys, but um, Robert Woods turned out to be the more productive uh, Rams wide receiver over over Sammy Watkins to the, the Oh, to the dismay of the dynasty community. Um, what are we doing with Woods going into this offseason? Do we anticipate he's still going to be the guy there? Go ahead, Carl. No, I, I think Sammy Watkins is going to be the guy. I think Sammy Watkins gets franchise tag. I listened to y'all's episode last week. I don't think Sammy Watkins gets the credit he deserved. I mean, you guys did bring up good points that why isn't if he's so good, why isn't he getting targeted? But when he was targeted, golf had a near perfect passer rating and it's been that way his almost his entire career. Um, when Tyra Taylor, Tyra Taylor, uh, targeted him. So I think with a full off season, which Sammy Watkins didn't have with the Rams and which Cooper cup and Robert Woods did have, I think those roles switch a little bit next year. Um, but I still love Robert Woods. I think that he's probably a hold. I'm not looking to go by him because, um, what he did this season on a points per game basis was pretty spectacular. Um, but I also probably won't be selling him either if I already own him. If I had the foresight to go get him uh, before this started, then I'll probably just keep benefiting on what he's what he's done so far. Yeah, that's that's. Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Go ahead. I was going to, you know, say what Dan was about to say. And uh, basically at this point, Robert Woods is free money. He's a guy that you got for basically free, maybe like a third round uh, rookie pick type valuation the last two to three years. And so I'm kind of reaping the rewards from that. If you have him on a roster right now, Uh, I I think that there's a a case for him to to sell him, but I think that switch roles. I think that Woods ends up being more targeted than Sammy. Sammy ends up being if he stays in Los Angeles, it'll be to be the the, the deep role guy. So maybe that takes some of the touchdowns away from Robert Woods. But I think that for the most part, he's going to be the number one as far as the most targeted guy in that Rams offense. And as we project it with uh, Jared Goff and, and Todd Gurley, it's going to be an explosive offense for many years. There's no way we're going to remember, but I, I would I would make that bet with you if if we knew that we would remember this time next year that <laughs> Sammy gets more targets than Woods. Okay, I'll remember. You will. <laughs> I, I always do. Okay, cool. You want to call him Nathan, on my show and chug uh, my chug of my card lemonade? Yeah, he's 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 gonna no, he's gonna I, like slide into your DMs <laughs> four years from now. Speaking um, we of can targets, just do 10, 10. speaking of targets. Um, nice. Here comes the transition. Looking at the Robert Woods targets, um, it actually really surprises me. He, well, this is what surprised me most. He's played in sixty-nine games in his career. Nice. Oh, nice. <clears throat> um, but he's only played one full season, so that part worries me a little bit. But in that one full season, he had one hundred and four targets in Buffalo. That was twenty fourteen. In all of the other seasons, even though he's played fourteen games twice, thirteen games once, and twelve games this year. He never had anything less than 76 targets. So if you pace those out, we're looking at right around 100 targets basically every single year. This year would have been probably in the 115, 120 range. Um, But the target share has kind of always been there. He just hasn't necessarily been on the field. So I I think the Rams see him 
maybe the same way Buffalo did and, and kind of is the guy, even though Sammy was there in Buffalo too, and he got the lion's share of those targets when he came into the league. But in 2014, Robert Woods had 104 targets. That And Sammy had a lot, I know. Um, but this Robert Woods, I think, is going to be their one, and I think Sammy's going to benefit from it. Um, because if you watched a lot of their games, that offense schemed outside of, obviously, Todd Gurley. In the passing game, it was schemed towards Robert Woods. They were targeting him more often. They were they were using him down the field. They were using him everywhere. And Sammy just kind of was, was used when they were going after Robert Woods. When the defense was focusing on Robert Woods, it was, okay, well, now we can switch to Sammy. And I think that's how this offense will work best. And I like both moving forward a lot. I've always been a Sammy guy. Uh, I still think he's being kind of overlooked, like you stated, Carl. And I, I think we need to keep him kind of in that upper echelon. But we can't really look past Robert Woods because he's going to keep getting that target share. And and I think I think it's very sustainable. All right. Anybody else have anything to add on Woods? Maybe real quick, let's go around and give what our valuation in just dynasty picks is right now for Woods. One oh nine. Yeah, one ten. Yeah, something like that. Wow, yeah. that's that's higher than I thought. I thought he would be in that like higher than a second, lower than a first range. The that's kind of where I have him personally. I think that would be a good buy zone. I, I think yeah. I think if you could do like like two oh two and a third or or two oh two and like a flyer. Um something like that. You know, Nathan talks about these kinds of trades all the time where where you go a little bit below his value, but then add something back in that makes it seem like you're getting much more value built in. Um, a move like that would be something I would love to go do for Robert Woods. All right. On that note, let's move on to our game. And this is the Dynasty Dating Game. So this week we are playing the Dynasty Dating Game. We've played this game a couple of times on the Dynasty Tradecast. This might actually be the first time we've played it on Rotoviz Radio. So uh, here you go, Rotoviz Radio. It's one of our favorite games. Um, in this game, we have the Dynasty Bachelor, which is our guest, Carl Safchuk. And we will have three players who will with random facts about the player. They could be relevant. They could be relevant. It's more just a a fun way of doing this game. And then Carl will pick, based on the facts he's heard, which one is the most attractive bachelor. So, start with our good friend. Bachelor, bachelor, wouldn't one of these be the bachelorette that I'd be choosing? No, Uh, no, Carl. Carl, Carl, It's it's, it's 2018. Oh, come on. We're not making a... we're not so making not assumptions, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dan, start us off. Hi, Bachelor. I um, I threw a touchdown pass on 9.3% of my passes in 2017. I was the third player selected at my position in my draft class, and my yards per attempt got worse each season of my college career. All right, I'm going to continue the quarterback train rolling here, uh, mm. Bachelor. I'm a pending free agent. I've thrown for 4,000 yards and 25-plus touchdowns in each of my last three seasons. My passing yardage and touchdowns increased each of my college seasons. You can has this, Carl. You can has this. Oh, what's up, Carl? Hey. My passing touchdowns have gone down each of the last two seasons, but so have my interceptions. I am signing with my team through 2018, but my team can cut me this offseason with no penalty. I played in two different conferences with the same school during college. Also, Carl, you get extra points if you can just name the individual bachelors before they uh, before they are before they get announced. Was was Dan's Matt Ryan? 
Well, you gotta you gotta pick one first. Oh, um, I just really liked your voice, Eric. So I'm gonna go with you. I think that's crap. I think you know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Any guesses? Oh, no, I was totally seduced by your voice. I do. I do think Dan's was Matt Ryan, though. All right, mine is Kirk Cousins. So come to Papa, oh, except yeah. for he's leaving no. now, Carl. It's. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Well, I was I was much better than Matt Ryan and much better than the one you picked, and I'm Deshaun Watson. Oh, you say he was the third quarterback taken. I thought he was the third overall pick. Yeah, Nathan's clues are terrible. And and I'm Blake Bortles because that's that's very apropos. (laughs) That that totally makes sense. (laughs) All right, let's let's close the curtains again. Everybody reshuffle, and now we're into running backs. All right, Bachelor. All right, well, let me get a voice here, okay? Yeah. I was the fifth player selected in my position in my draft class. I've never eclipsed 700 rushing yards in a season in college. I am second on my NFL depth chart per our lads. <laughs> wow, that voice. Oh, well, you're sick again. <laughs> Whoops. Can't. I had more receptions. I had more receptions this year than I did my entire collegiate career. I share a birth date with Nathan Powell. I have 1,085 career NFL rushing yards. I share a birth date with Nathan Powell is a clue here? Yes. A birth date or a birthday? Date. So, like, y'all were born the same day? That's right. That is called a useless fact, Carl. That is helpful for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, Nathan bringing his birthday up. I'm just, I'm just glad we saved, we saved the best for last after that stupid Nathan clue. Um, <laughs> I entered the season as the starting running back for my team, which is pretty impressive. I had 61 PPR points in the first three weeks of the season, and I had more receiving yards and rushing yards in each collegiate season I played. It's time to pick, Bachelor. I'm going with Eric again this time. I think it's Duke Johnson. Ooh, man. I, Nathan was actually Duke Johnson this go Was it? Okay. Uh, but you win, sir. You took Alvin Kamara, which yes. was daddy. Okay. Yeah, but you could, ha- you, could, you could have had Ty Montgomery. So. Yes. <laughs> I win that time. Yeah, classic Nathan. That's twice he stuck him at the end. Let's see if it happens again. All right, close the curtains. Everybody shuffle back around. All right, perfect. Do, do, do. Uh, also, Dan, did you just make like a hand motion for shuffling? Can't see me. <laughs> uh, it's, not an, it's not a visual podcast. Uh, all right, I will go first for you, Carl, again. Hi. You, you seem to just be picking me, so can't blame you there. Can't blame you there. Uh, and for those of you that obviously can't see this, I just brushed my lack of hair and seductively looked at Carl. Uh, okay. My yards per catch rose by 6.1 from 2016 to 2017. I've made the Pro Bowl in each of my first two NFL seasons, and I was the 165th pick in the NFL draft. Oh, Hello. My college dominator was 41.4%, 82nd percentile. I had the lowest yards per catch in my career in 2017, but I did have the highest catch percentage and touchdown total of my career with 56% and eight total touchdowns. 
that's pretty lame. Um, speaking of lame, I dropped over a hundred spots in my dynasty ADP over the last year. So from January to January, down a hundred spots. That's rough. But I did outscore Jordy Nelson, Deshaun Jackson, and Devontae Parker in 2017. In the NFL, I averaged 45 yards per catch. Um, Take your pick. I feel like Nathan keeps giving all the good ones to Eric. I have to go with him again. Man, I feel like it's the most valuable game. I feel like he's actually trying to level you, and you're just not letting him level you. Any uh, idea? Because I don't think he, I don't think he lets you level him. Uh, I was Tyreek Hill, so I, to me, I'm the most valuable pick out of this out of this group. I was Devin Funches. I was Tyrell Williams. Garbage again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pretty happy. Well, hard to make a positive out of. I fell a hundred spots in eighty. Yeah. Like, right. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's supposed that, to fool you. That's like, like if maybe you're... maybe it's the ugly girl at prom. God, no. Like if you're on a dating game, it's like I just got fired from my job. <laughs> um, but don't let that deceive you. I'm really a good catch. <laughs> All right, let's close the curtains one more time and go to the tight ends. Nathan, why don't you start to seduce Carl? Hey, Carl. Hey. I, I didn't Carl, record a catch. I didn't record a catch until week 11 this year, but I did score 37 points in week 11 and week 12. I was the number two ranked wide receiver by rivals in my high school recruiting class. All right. I feel like Nathan's everybody and their dog should know who that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'll just go ahead and go myself. Um, I scored 10 plus PPR points in six of 13 games played. I have 40 plus catches and 50 plus receiving yards in the last five or 500 plus receiving yards. 50 would not be that exciting in the last five seasons. Uh, In one season, I had seven carries for 15 yards and a touchdown. That's called the throwaway clue there, Carl. That's actually pretty impressive that you could be that bad. Um, So hi, bachelor. Uh, It's good to see you. Um, So for starters, my catches and receiving yards increased each of my college season. I've caught 55.7% of my targets in the NFL. And I was compared to Jordan Reed in the draft process, minus the mushy brain part. Hmm. Um, Who do you pick? I'll go with, I'll go with Dan this time. Ooh. Man, I feel like you went you went just on fire. I think you picked the chalk across the board here. Except for the first one. Yeah, I'd probably rather have Watson than Cousins, but I'm, that was I'm impressive. Okay that's yeah. close. I feel like that's close. That was impressive. Uh do you have any idea who I might be? I do not, unless you're Evan Ingram. I am in fact oh, Evan Ingram. Spikes it on the way out the door. All right, nail all three. Who is Nathan? Well, okay, so for some reason I forgot that it was tight ends, and when Nathan was talking. It sounded exactly like Josh Gordon. Uh, give me yours, Eric, and then I'm gonna figure out what what Nathan's right. was. I was I was Charles Clay. We'll give you Nathan's one more time. He didn't record a catch until week 11. He scored 37 points total in week 11 and 12, and he was ranked number two wide receiver by rivals in the high school recruit in his high school recruiting class. Super sexy high school recruit. Didn't do crap till week 11. Former deep stash talent. Oh, 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 it's the uh, it's the kid from Miami. Um, 
I forget his name, but yeah, uh, it's the kid from Miami, right? He's got a hyphen in his name. It's Ricky Seals Jones. <laughs> Rick, Ricky, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, y'all, y'all were just breaking up there. What, did you already say who it was? Yeah, I it was it Ricky was Seals Jones. Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that was fun, uh, Carl. It was a pleasure trying to seduce you on our show. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, so uh, is there anything else on the way out that you would like to plug? Uh, since you guys failed to get me a date, I guess just my Tinder profile. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can find it at Carl, uh, Carl Safchek on Tinder. I, I, I assume Bumble. Uh, all the ladies, if you just want to let Carl in your hive, he'll appreciate it. Is Bumble um, a good one? I'm not familiar with that. Bumble, Bumble's the go-to, man. I'm, I'm married for like ever. We'll play Dynasty Bumble with you next time. How's that? <laughs> Ricky Seals Jones is going to let you into his hive after that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so make sure you follow Carl on uh, on Twitter. That's at Carl Safchuk. That's Carl with a K and Safchuk S A F and then Chick. Nice, Carl. Nice. Uh, That's actually impressive. Then, yeah. And then you can. Uh, that was, I feel like that was a really fun way to introduce your Twitter handle. Um, and then uh, make sure you check out all the content that he does on Dynasty One Fantasy dot com and the Dynasty One podcast that you can find on Mediums um, after you listen to our podcast each week. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. It's always fun to talk with all of you. I'm glad that your immune systems like mine are back up to par. Heck yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, the only thing I have left to do is remind the listeners to rate and review the podcast. Five-star reviews and ratings are immensely appreciated. So it helps us get bumped to the top of the Dynasty list uh, and uh, helps other listeners find us when they're looking for Dynasty content because they're so bored with baseball this off season. So uh, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review. And for Nathan, Dan, Carl, and myself, we will catch up with you guys next week. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.